0: In this episode of the Eucatropolis podcast, an Earth Day whirlwind tour of the planet, starting with music from Chile, and then music from Italy, and finally, music from Hawaii. Welcome back to the Yukatropolis podcast for more real ukulele answers, to real ukulele questions from students at yukatropolis.com. I'm your host, James Hill, and today is Earth Day. So happy Earth Day. And in the spirit of Earth Day, we're going to travel. We're going to take a trip to three beautiful places on this planet, Chile, Italy, and Hawaii. Stick around. I've always said that the ukulele is like a cheap vacation. You know, you just you pick it up, you start playing and you're transported to a different place, maybe a different time. Whatever it is, it takes you away from where you are and in this era of most of us being homebound, that is incredibly valuable. It's it's not just a luxury anymore, it's essential to our well-being our mental, physical, spiritual well-being, that, that we don't feel locked up. And with the ukulele, we're able to break those bonds. We're able to travel through music. And this is the power of making your own music and not just being a consumer of music. Turning on the radio or your favorite playlist to some extent helps you to get away, to escape, but making your own music just takes it to a different level you're engaged in, an, in a different way um, it's hard to describe to somebody who hasn't experienced it that feeling of being lost in the music of losing track of time and just being wrapped in that experience that is really what the ukulele way is all about the ukulele way as many of you know is a six level method that I wrote to teach the art of solo ukulele and solo ukulele is where you're playing the melody and the rhythm and the chords all at the same time and you're doing that all on one instrument So this style perhaps more than other styles of playing ukulele really envelops you in the music and in the experience because you're juggling all the parts. It's a different feeling than if you were strumming and someone else was playing the melody and someone else was playing the drums or something, you know, it's it's all on you. And so to some degree you lose yourself in the music in, in a deeper way. The ukulele way also has a a real range of repertoire. And that's what we're going to tap into today. We're not just going to stay with one level of this uh, method. We're going to jump around to repertoire that allows us to travel. And don't forget that the ukulele is a world traveler by nature. That is how it made its way from uh, Madeira all the way to Hawaii, even before it was called the ukulele. And if it weren't for mobility, if it weren't for a sense of adventure, if it weren't for... Clipper ships, we never would have had the ukulele at all. So the ukulele is a citizen of the world. And in that spirit, we're going to start our musical journey today with a piece from Chile. It's a piece from The Ukulele Way, book four. It's called El Tortillero, which means the tortilla vendor. And I'll play a little bit of it here. And I want you to imagine sort of a busy, bustling marketplace. Here's El Tortillero. Lots going on there. A lot of energy. And our question here comes from Stefan, who's working on this piece, El Tortiero. And he says, after a first look, I had some concerns about this song. He says, there are so many things going on. Muting strings, changing between strumming techniques, pull-offs, uh, a new voicing of a C major. I mean, it goes on and on. But he says, this song actually makes it a lot of fun. And it's all manageable. What a good choice of song this is. He says, I still do not play it fluently, but it never gets boring to practice. And my question is in measure 20, the G note is played on the fourth open string. Why is that not played on the second string with a finger? Well, this is a great question, Stefan. First of all, I'm glad that you're enjoying the piece so much, even though it does seem very challenging, and it is challenging it's really rewarding as well. And it's not the kind of music that I typically hear when I listen to my playlists or the radio stations around here. So it's really a way for me to travel and experience different cultures through my ukulele. And I hope you're finding that as well. Now the question you bring up about when to play a G note as an open fourth string, as opposed to with a third finger, on the E string. Now, this is pretty subtle. Um, And to the untrained ear, (laughs) uh, those two notes might sound the same. you got G and G. But the more you get into the ukulele, the more those two notes sound a bit different. Okay, that might be stretching it a bit. They sound the same. I mean, they're the same pitch, but you can do different things to them. And That's really the key to understanding why sometimes I'll write uh, an arrangement and I'll use the, uh, the open string G, and why sometimes I'll use the fretted G. And the reason is, when I play the fretted G, third finger on the second string, it allows me to add expression to the note. I can give it a bit of vibrato, or a bend, Or a pre-bend like this. Or maybe I could slide into it. Or slide down to it. There's so many things I can do to that note when I'm fretting that note. It has a lot of personality. And I can add a lot of expression to it. Now the, the, the open fourth string note is very neutral by contrast. So I've got a very neutral G that I can't really do much to. I can't really add vibrato to it. I guess if I if I press behind the nut, I can get it to sort of warble like this. Which is a novelty trick. But there's very I'm very limited in what I can do to that open string G to give it personality. But there's a ton of things I can do to the fretted G. And so what I tend to do is... When there's a G note in the accompaniment voice, I will use the more neutral sound. And when there's a G note in the melody voice, I will use the fretted G. Because that allows me to give the melody more personality and make it sound more lyrical, more like a human voice. Let me give you an example here. And this is not an example from El Tortiero. And the reason is because... That moment that Stevan is talking about is so short. It's here and gone. It just goes by in a flash. So I wanted to bring another example that would make this more clear. The difference between a neutral-sounding open G note and a more lyrical-sounding fretted G note that is full of personality. So I thought of a melody that I fell in love with when I was a kid it's a melody by mozart that he wrote when he was a kid (laughs) and uh, i played on the violin always loved this melody it's the second movement of the concerto in g concerto number three for violin and the second movement starts out like this And if you listen closely, you might hear the frogs outside my window in the pond. They're singing along at the top of their lungs. Anyway, that's the melody by Mozart that I had in mind. Because, well, normally this is played in the key of G, but right now I'm playing it in the key of C. And it features that note really prominently. It keeps coming back to that note. And. If you listen to a recording of this, uh, you'll notice that those notes are completely alone. There's no chords happening uh, when those notes are first coming in. And so I'm probably gonna give them as much life and personality as I can. So this would not be a moment to play a neutral sounding G. I mean, it sounds okay but to, to me it playing the open string notes in that case it sounds a little little bit more like a like a grandfather clock or something it sounds like bells uh, which is not a bad thing but i want this to sound like a voice you know i want it to sing i want it to have some of that natural vibrato like that is such a signature part of the human voice and we can get some of that on the ukulele by sort of um wiggling the notes a little bit but we can't do that with the open strings and so even though it's very tempting to play you know open g open e open g i'm not going to do that i'm going to play g with a fretted note i'm even going to play the e on the fourth fret of the c string Right To my ear, that just makes it sound warmer and more human. When it goes on and the chords do come in... Now you can hear how there's a lot of this G kind of droning in the background. a lot of this G that's part of the accompaniment chords, and that's the place for that neutral sounding, uh, unfretted note G, because it doesn't draw too much attention to itself. It just sits there and blends in with the other notes, and that's the perfect use for an open string G. So I hope that this example helps to sort of run home the point that there are two ways to play G. And far from being confusing or a bad thing, that's actually a great thing because it gives us two colors of G to paint with. When that G is in the background and you want it to fade away and blend into the, the backdrop behind the, the music, then you can use this open string. And when you want to put that G note right in the spotlight and have it in the foreground and dress it up in, in a tuxedo or a or a sequin dress. Then you can play the fretted version of G. Stefan, I hope that helps. Thanks for the great question. Okay, pack your bags, we're off to our next destination. It's off to Italy now, and the piece Santa Lucia, also from the Ukulele Way, book four. Ukulele Way, book four is a big book. (laughs) It's got the most lessons of any of the levels of that method, and it's really the, um, it's the Wednesday of the Ukulele Way. You know, it's the one you gotta get past in order to make it to the end. And for a lot of people, it's a big challenge because it is a big challenge, but you get to really explore beautiful music like El Tortiero, like Santa Lucia. We get into things like fingerpicking and harmonizing scales and also things like the triple strum. So yeah, book four is a big one. It's not surprising that uh, some of the favorites from the method come from level four. So we're gonna jump on the uh, on the gondola and head over to Sante Lucia. This is a, a piece that was originally in the Neapolitan language and then was translated into Italian. I will play a little bit of it now just in case you don't know the melody and then we'll take one student question. It goes like this. not the whole thing, but it's close. You see what uh, what I mean. It's one of the favorites because it's just so lovely. And, uh, and it works so well on the ukulele. Remember, there's a big difference between a great song and a great song for ukulele. Sometimes the songs just fall into place on the frets. And this is one that does exactly that. So I'm going to take a question here. It's actually more of a comment from a student named Tamsin. Tamsin says, uh, I have to confess. I just want to spend all day on the ninth and 10th measures. Tamsin says, uh, the whole thing is lovely, but that part is divine. Well, as you listened to me playing Santa Lucia there just a minute ago, You might have noticed when the, the, the clouds parted and the sun came out, and it sounded like this. I mean, that is just, you know, in two measures, you get so much good musical stuff. As Tamsin says, I just want to spend all day on that passage. It's just so satisfying, and and I guess my follow up to Tamsin, other than the fact that yeah, I totally agree, and I want to spend all day playing that too. My curiosity kicks in, and and I think why is that part so magical? What is it about that moment musically that makes it so compelling? I just, you know, I can't let it go. I I I, I want to know. And, I mean, the truth is, you, you can't really know. There's, magic is magic. But I noticed something similar here um, in this Neapolitan folk song, as I noticed in a lot of pop music on the radio today. Taylor Swift, for example, does this all the time. She'll, she'll stay kind of low down in the verse. A little bit lower in her range. And then all of a sudden the chorus hits, and... She'll jump up a third or a fifth and the whole thing just opens up. And you really feel this sense of lift in the chorus. And I think that we're seeing that and hearing that very same thing. It's almost like a modern pop song. It follows a very similar kind of a narrative, musically speaking. So it's not a new thing when you hear it on the radio and you hear that soaring chorus that takes over and sort of takes your breath away that feeling is a feeling that musicians and composers have been chasing since day one that is something special and we hear it right here in Santa Lucia it's a real beautiful moment the other thing that really stands out to me here at this moment in time and maybe explains why this is so satisfying is the interval of a tenth. This one. That interval is just absolutely epic. (laughs) There's something just naturally kind of soaring about this interval of a tenth. I think if intervals were animals, this would be the eagle, you know? The tenth is just majestic and strong, powerful with this huge wingspan. A tenth is well, it's ten steps of the scale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So it goes beyond the usual octave. It keeps going. It's even bigger than the octave. And this interval is, I don't know, it's just one of my all-time favorites. And we don't get a lot of opportunities to play tenths on the ukulele, because, uh, the, because of the limited range of this instrument. And especially if you have the high G tuning, you're not going to run into tenths very often. They're kind of awkward to play. You try playing that between the C string and the A string, and you'll see what I mean. They're they're big stretches, and although they sound really nice, (laughs) they are um, not very ergonomic or accessible. But here we have one, built into this song. And this voicing of the C chord If you've ever done a workshop with me before, or if you've watched any of my videos, I'm always, always playing this voicing of the C chord. From the ceiling to the floor, the frets are 0037. I've always called that a mandolin voicing of C. Because it sounds like a mandolin, it's got that open, ringing, resonant quality, and of course. Now we come the full circle and we're back to Italy and that traditional mandolin sound in so much Italian music. It's no wonder that those tenths and this open style of playing finds a home in a piece like Santa Lucia. So, Tampson, those are my thoughts on why exactly those two measures have that effect on us why those two measures in particular sound so divine. Maybe it is just magic, but maybe there's something to be learned about the way music works. So thanks so much for the comment. I hope that helps. Let's make one more stop on our Earth Day tour of the Earth (laughs) through music and the ukulele. We've been to Chile, we've been to Italy, and now, well, no world tour of ukulele would be complete without a stop in Hawaii. So that's where we're going now. And we're going to take a question from a student who's working on one of the very last pieces in the ukulele way. In fact, I think this is the second-to-last piece in the entire method. This is a piece called Hone Akavai from book six of The Ukulele Way. This piece is maybe my all-time favorite composition for ukulele. It was written by Ernest Ka'ai, who was one of the early virtuosos, teachers, empresarios of the ukulele. And this very much owes a debt of gratitude to uh, the music of John King, who was a master of the Campanella style. Campanella is when you play successive notes in a melody on different strings. So that one rings into the other and you get this harp-like effect. Kind of like playing the piano while you're holding down the, the sustain pedal. Instead of... Which is a very different sound, right? So the word campanella, fittingly, given where we just came from, is an Italian word that means bells or little bells. So in this piece you'll hear those little bells. I'll play a little bit of it and then we'll take a question. I've always loved this piece. It's so just charming and lovable and approachable, deceptively simple. It's like a musical seashell almost. You know, the proportions are just perfect. It's so much fun to play. It's it's a challenge to learn, but the payoff is worth it. So, I'm going to go to a comment now from uh, Vincent, who's a student who's working on this piece, and he says, "So beautiful." He says, I'm going to work on this one a lot. Thank you. This is the kind of music that can make people cry. (laughs) He says, that note, G, in measure 25. He says, whoa, it just comes out of nowhere. And it's so full of emotion. I think the one he's talking about is this. Right there. right at the height of that melodic arc, that is a note that you don't think you're going to get there. And this relates right back to what we were just talking about with Santa Lucia. The thing about music that moves us and that that grabs us and that sounds compelling is so often that music will lure us in by setting up an expectation so that you think you know what's going to happen. And then, what does it do? It defies that expectation with something better than what you expected. That recipe has been around for, well, as long as music. It's been the way that composers continuously delight listeners. And it says something about our humanity, I think. That there is a kind of happy deception. There's a kind of surprise and delight that that we always look for so if I go like this if I go I'm setting up the expectation by repeating something a few times and then suddenly I'm going to go and you go oh I didn't see that coming but I can see how you got there and I like it It's like, you know, you're constantly setting up an expectation and defying that expectation with something better. And that's exactly what Ernest Ka'ai does right here. Right at the top of that scale. I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to get this note. That's what I think I'm going to get. It goes... You know, if, if you said, finish this sentence that's the note that i would choose because it follows the logical sequence of the scale and you know that's my expectation but what does he do he jumps over that note and hits the next one so simple yes and now i feel like i'm flying you <laughs> know that's all it takes he just jumps over that one and hits the next note now in an age of cloud computing and artificial intelligence and machine learning and all that stuff. You know, I don't know if there's a formula or if there's an equation for this, for what you experience in a piece like Hone Akavai. I don't know if you can train a robot to do this. Maybe this is the human element of sort of, I don't know why you did that, but I like it. You know, it's the human creative gene it's the curiosity it's the whim it's the whimsy of the artist and that's what you're kind of connecting with in a piece like this which makes it so delightful and as vincent said this is the kind of music that can make people cry why do we cry when we're surprised or delighted why does it touch a nerve like that i don't know but it does and it releases something the way a, a massage would release toxins in your, in your uh, muscles. Well, you have to do that to your brain too. You have to do that to your mind and your soul. Music is the way to do that. I don't know about you, but I feel like it's empowering to know that the music that I make with my own two hands is music that can transport me. I don't have to wait around for somebody to come and pick me up and take me away somewhere. I can sit in the, in the comfort of my own home, and I can travel, whether that's traveling through music, or through color, through emotion, through periods of history. It's all there at my fingertips. That is the power of the ukulele. And as we bring our Earth Day journey to a close, I want to encourage you to see the ukulele as that portal into the world, the world that we may not be able to access right now. These days, when when you get tired of staring at the computer and doing Zoom meetings, well, take care of yourself. Pick up your ukulele, play a song, and travel. Thanks for tuning in to the Yuketropolis podcast for this Earth Day special edition. I'm your host, James Hill, and I'll be back again next week with more Real Ukulele Answers to Real Ukulele Questions. And in the meantime, you'll find me over at yuketropolis.com teaching a whole library of online ukulele courses. Some are free, some are not. And when you're ready to join a warm, welcoming community of ukulele learners, from all over the world, well, it's there for you. Take care, and until next week, keep on strumming.